0: Got with a sick tight click and went all out. Catching keys from four C's, Rolling in MPVs every week. We made 40 G. Yo, brothers, respect mine. i ain't going to take now. Chop move from the gate now. Cash, move, copy, think around me. Grand is
1: the money, dollar, dollar belt.
2: Yo, what's up, everybody? It's time for a special Saturday edition of In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, the keeper of the peace, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, my partners in crime, my brothers from other mothers, Jim Cross and Randy Jowers, and boys, tonight we've got episode 11 titled, Ya Boy. Um, We're going to bring on Eric Anders, a former Alabama Crimson Tide champion, and current UFC star. So without further ado, let's bring them into the mix. Eric, my man, how are we doing today?
1: I'm doing awesome,
2: yourself? I'm great, man. It's it's good to have you on our first UFC uh, star, first, you know, national champion of of any sort. So, man, it's good to have you. But let's, let's jump right into it. Let's go to the beginning, man you're from a military family you've moved around all over the place like talk to me where are you born where are you from like and talk to me about just being in a military family and how that you know affects moving and trying to fit in to, to different places
1: um yeah you know i was born in the philippines and we lived a lot of places new mexico uh, japan alabama maryland texas uh to name a few, um, I, you know, I always liked it, you know, I guess it's when you're born into something like that, it's just kind of all you know and whatnot, but I just always thought it was cool to be able to travel around and, and uh, you know, not just visit, but live in, uh, you know, foreign countries and whatnot, and kind of absorb their culture and, you know, uh, see how, you know, the similarities and differences between cultures and people and whatnot.
2: So what, of all the places you've traveled and lived, what's your favorite? Uh,
1: man, I always thought Japan was pretty cool. Um, you know, not a lot of people get to do that. Um, probably even less people have been to the Philippines. Uh, but you know, I, I you know super young when I lived there, so I really don't remember it. So I really don't count count that. So I do you not know, have to say uh, Japan. So what what sports did
2: you did you start playing as a kid?
1: Um, man, I think I played every sport except for baseball. Uh, I wrestled, played football, ran track uh, soccer, uh, wrestling, uh, I guess baseball and basketball are the only two sports I really didn't, you know, like or participate in.
2: Was it moving all over the place? Was it hard to specialize in one sport? Is that why you played so many different sports? Um, man, I really just,
1: you know, played whatever sport was in season, you know, and, you know, just played sports year round, you know, um, I don't think it was – I think it's, to me, better and That's why so I try to tell my kids, you know, play all the sports, you know. Uh, so, you know, you can develop, you know, different abilities and strengths uh, doing different sports uh, that will make you better at all the sports, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah. Make I, like an overall better athlete. Um, I, absolutely.
2: Kind of specialize in one sport. Like, you're just good at that one sport, you know. You, you think that's why you were able to – Excel at such a high level in football is because you were just a dynamic athlete because you had all these experiences from different sports?
1: I think so. Uh, like I said, when you play different sports, you, you know, kind of build different attributes. Like Soccer is good for like your footwork and, you know, quick burst and agility and things like that. You know, wrestling is awesome for explosion and, you know, getting your hands on people and leverage and, and things like that. Um, Man, you can just – from every sport, there's something that you can take from it that's, you know, kind of applicable to other sports and make you an overall better athlete. And then you just change the rules and the setting, and, you know, then you just go out there and and learn the game and uh, make you a much better player.
2: Gotcha. Yeah, so as as an American, we've lived – or I've lived here my my entire life. So a lot of my influence has come from – you know, guys in in the NFL, guys in the NBA, you know, MLB. Being a guy from overseas and living in different countries, is there like a different influence when you're living over there, or are the same people that are like LeBron James or Kobe Bryant? Are they still role models and influences to your to your life as an athlete growing up?
1: Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, Barry Sanders was my guy growing up. Uh, probably my favorite football player ever. And, uh, yeah, they still have, like, American TV and channels and stuff, so you can still keep up with, uh, you know, current events in the sports world and stuff, so, yeah, it's kind of – you can experience the culture, but yet, you know, you can still, you know, tune in and watch things. And it's not like it is now where I could just stream – whatever, you know, I had to, like, be in front of the TV and the time difference and whatnot. So, uh, you had to, like, schedule to
3: watch a football game.
1: All
3: right. So, Eric, this is interesting for me because I know you see my background and I know you see all the LSU stuff. And, uh, you know, Daniel was talking about first-time guest uh, champion. You're also the first one from Alabama. We've basically had the majority of the SEC West on here. And uh, this one's going to be tough for me. I think they gave me the Alabama segment for a reason. But – uh uh-uh. You got you to gotta tell me right off the bat, what made you choose Alabama to play football? Um, Man, to be honest, man, I wasn't
1: really highly recruited out of, coming out of high school. And, uh, you know, I think the first school actually to offer me was Memphis. And then Texas Tech came. And so between those two, I was like, man, I'd rather play in one of the Power Five conferences. And then Ole Miss came. So I was like, dude, I'm playing the SEC over the, the Big 12 any day. And then Alabama came. I was kind of skeptical about Mississippi because, you know, they're the Rebels. They have the little plantation owner as the mascot. <laughs> they, they, they they scream, the South shall rise again at the end of their fight song. So I was like, man, I'm not really feeling Mississippi, Ole Miss. But, um, man, I'm trying to get to the NFL. So whatever yeah. I got to do to get there. And then Alabama came. And I was like, okay. You know, I just – there's something about even saying Mississippi that kind of makes me – Feel ugly inside, so I was like, "Okay, I will just go to Alabama." Well, in that well I answer, know that's might, right. Yeah,
3: I was just saying, but listen, in that <laughs> answer, you might, yeah, I was just saying, you got Randy hyped because he's all about the hate in Mississippi train, but you you hurt Daniel's feelings back there. I know you see the Memphis flag behind him, and I think he's a little disappointed you didn't choose Memphis. Well, man, you
1: know you can't blame a guy
3: for you know trying to make it to the next level.
0: You can't oh, tell no. me the
1: Conference USA is a better conference than the SEC. Never. This is the time when Alabama was, you know, I think they were on like their third coach in a year or third coach in eight months, and they were on probation. So, to be honest, that's probably the only reason why I got into Alabama, got to you know, why they offered me. uh, Because it was like the first year that they had all their scholarships, somebody didn't qualify. A lot had to happen for for them to offer me. Anyway, so
3: yeah, I saw that when I was when I was researching this, it was like, you know, I almost just want kind of to kinda fly through your freshman year. you know, I have seen there wasn't very many stats. You had a coach that, that ended up leaving and you know, but then sophomore year, you were you were a part of the changing of the guard, man. You were a part of the start of the Nick Saban era. Tell me what it was like, man, first practice with a guy like that. Um, man,
1: to be honest with you, um everybody like the way that coach Saban ran practice like he ran it like an NFL team would run a practice through the week I think you know uh, like the first day was basically a lot of meetings and some special team stuff and then Tuesday would be full you know full gear do the inside drill and team run and whatnot and then you know as the week went on practice got lighter and lighter so you're kind of doing almost doing active recovery throughout the week you know past Wednesday and uh, so by the time the game comes, you're, you know, you full speed, you're good, you're healthy, you know, it feels good. So, uh, when Julie was there, man. He had us doing like angle tackling drills, Oklahoma drills and killing us during practice. And then when it comes time for the game, you know, you wonder why it's hard while we're going 500 because everybody's, you know, got, you know, one leg missing, you know, on Saturday by the time Saturday comes. so. Uh, you know, Saban kind of took the more NFL approach, and Shula kind of, you know, it was kind of like I don't know how old you guys are, but they were kind of like my practices and literally, you know, back in the days, like man, a lot, a lot, a lot of hitting, unnecessary, you know, unnecessary.
3: So you could you could feel the clear shift from freshman to sophomore year with the with the changing of coaching.
1: Yeah, and also Saban, you know, the. Thing, the best thing that he does, I think, is he creates an atmosphere of competition. So just because you started last week or just because you're a senior doesn't mean that you're going to start next week. And just because you're a freshman and, you know, you're third on the depth chart today, man, you know, if you go out there and ball out, ball out and, you know, show you show coach that he can trust you, man, you're going to play in some capacity. So, you know, okay. uh, everybody... Kind of raise their level of play because they had to because the next guy is just as good as you. You just know the playbook better than he does. So, if you know what is it that's going to keep you in that starting spot?
3: Yeah, I mean, I when I was when I was researching it, I mean, I just think it's really cool. You were a part of. It sounds bad when you say it, but you were a part of the last time Alabama had a losing record, and you were there for the progression, like I said, in the building of a dynasty, and to be a part of that whole change and that whole process and to get better each year, I just think it's so cool. I, I would be, you know, remiss if I didn't mention in 2007, LSU won the national championship, but that, that, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah, that's a long time ago. <laughs> but, uh, hey, they won last year too. Hey, don't forget. But uh, let's get into junior year, man, because that's when your stats really started to, uh, to evolve, man. You had 21 tackles, two sacks, a forced fumble. How did it feel once you really started getting in the mix on the field? Um, Man, you know, that's what I came to school there for, you know.
1: Uh, I think everybody's goal is to make it to the NFL, and you're not going to do that sitting on the bench. So, you know, I was like, okay, you know, I'm finally starting to get my feet wet and, you know, uh, be productive is the main thing. It's not that, you know, just being on the field, man, you want your stats, you know. You want to go out there, you want to make plays, sacks, tackles, fumbles. You want to do all that. So, uh, it was just, you know, I worked really hard to, to be able to get those reps and to finally get those reps and get to play and, and you know, all that hard work starting to
3: kind of, you know, come together. You know, that's, that's what you came here for. Absolutely. And so, that, that season, you know, y'all went 12-2, and two, so a lot of progression, but it ended losing uh, the Sugar Bowl. Do you think mm. that sparked a fire or a hunger for that, that next season, that 2009 season?
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, um, I've been playing sports my, my entire life and, you know, that's probably the most complete and gelled uh, team that I've ever been on. Like everybody knew what everybody was thinking. Like the we were just such a, had such a close bond between everybody on the team. You know, it, it was, it was really cool to, to be a part of a program and, you know, kind of a situation like that.
3: Yeah, so senior year, you know, you was talking about those stats and, and you know, what you earned. I got them here, 64 tackles, six sacks, four fumble, interception. I mean, it seems like senior year, you, know, you really got in that groove on that on that title run.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there, there's something to be said for experience and, and you know, playing time. Uh, I think I got better as the year went on. The SEC championship and the national championship were probably the best games that I played. Uh, all year statistically and uh yeah it's just reps 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 and live bullets you know
3: yeah so speaking of that national championship do you know that if I don't know I don't know if you ever google it I don't know if you google yourself but if you google that national championship game it comes up with your picture you know that um, oh bro, no I didn't yeah, it's got it's got you making the the sack fumble. You are you are what comes up. You are the highlight, um, and I think that's that's pretty cool within itself. So I got to ask you that sack on Gilbert that basically is what changed the game to where y'all just you know, took over and finished him off. What man, run me through that play because I watched the highlight and oh, it's amazing. What did it feel like? Um, man, I kind of knew what was going to happen before
1: the ball was snapped. You know the. We had one play called, and if they came out in the exact formation that they came out in, we were gonna show the blitz from the boundary, but then blitz from the field. So when I saw that the the tackle was looking down, because I can, you know, they get up there and make their calls or whatever, and uh, the offensive lineman he was just looking at Marcel uh, Darius, and so he wasn't paying me no attention out there. So I already knew that he wasn't gonna block me, so I knew I'd have a free pass to the quarterback um so whenever the ball was snapped uh man all i saw was 3 or 8 i forget what number he was i think he was 3 uh you know the back of
3: his jersey i just got
2: I
1: bet
3: order. he didn't
0: forget <laughs> you no <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah you uh you're in his memory forever unfortunately but uh man the, yeah that, it's seriously just it is the first thing that comes up it's cool what a what a huge moment and for a national championship and so you know you talked about just the buildup. I mean, so once that game was over and y'all had completed your your objective, your mission, you won the national t- title, man, I mean, what was running through your head? Uh, man, to be honest with you, probably like, you know, obviously like the first
1: 30 minutes or hours, like, you know, hell yeah, we just won. But then, you know, I was a senior, so I was just kind of like, all the seniors looking at each other like that's it. I guess it's over with now. I guess it's time to, you know, keep moving to the next chapter or whatever. So uh, mixed feelings. Um, you know, obviously that's how you want to go out if you can. Uh, you know, not too many people I think get to play their last game as a national champion. So. You know, yeah, that's what uh, I was
3: saying. I mean, your first season starts under five hundred, and that's what I was saying. That's what makes it great. It sounds bad when you say it, but then you come out with an undefeated season and a national championship and a, a major play that had an influence on that game. So I got to ask you now, I mean, because that was the start of a dynasty with Alabama and Saban, do you, I mean, do you still watch, watch them now and support them?
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. It's uh, really the only reason why I watch the NFL now, to be honest, is just to, you know, and see how the the Bama guys are playing and what they're doing and whatnot.
3: Man, yeah, y'all y'all are everywhere. There's no doubt. I was actually – I was looking at the roster, and I was looking at who all you played with and Julio and Ingram and Upshaw, and I was like, oh, my God. Dude, your team really was stacked. Yeah, we had a squad for sure.
0: So, Eric, I was just – as we're sitting here and talking about Googling, I, I Googled myself and ain't shit come up. So <laughs> I mean, so – I like yours a lot better. You asked how old we were. We're just, we're just a couple years older than, me, older than you are. We was 84, you 87, so we, we ain't too, too much older. But uh, more on the, on the fight side, I just want to kind of talk about that transition. So after you get done playing Alabama, I know you had a brief stint with the Browns. And uh, that could have been a blessing, by the way. You know what I'm saying? It took him a long time to be good.
1: <laughs> man, <laughs> listen, the check is still cash the same. Hey, so.
0: that's what it's – hey, it's about 16, that paper, real.
1: And 0 Shit, that got, my money's still going to be the same.
0: Yeah, yeah, you ain't lying. But uh, talk about – you know, because I think the first question, you know, that I always thought when I met you, I was working with V3, was how did that transition from football to MMA?
1: Um, man, you know, a lot of people think that I just, you know, got done playing football and said, hey, I'm going to do MMA. and you know, I couldn't be further from the truth. You know, there's about like a two year gap uh, before I even started training where uh, I, I finished playing football and I was just working, just, you know, doing whatever kind of work I could find, to be honest. And uh, yeah, and I just really started training just to blow off some steam. And then I started with some jujitsu and then, you know, gradually made my way to MMA, to, to boxing. And uh, man, just fell in love with it. And uh, man, that's just kind of knew that's what I wanted to do.
0: Yeah. So I was talking to a a mutual friend of ours about this, and he said that one of your first uh, sparring partners was Walt Harris. Man, so I mean, that's kind of like a that's a badass first sparring partner, man. Or one of your first.
1: Oh yeah. You know, when I wanted to try MMA, uh, I was living here in Birmingham, and. a mutual friend introduced me to Walt. he was like yeah come by the gym yada 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 first day i go in the gym the coach comes up to me he's like hey can you fight um you know got into some fights as a kid and thought i could fight so i got in there with somebody who knew how to fight for real And uh, yeah that was my first experience with walt And he beat me up in the nicest way possible and but that moment right there i realized like this is what i want to do like yeah, it sucked getting beat up, but I knew eventually after training for enough, I would learn how to do that too. And,
0: you know. Yeah, you, you're uh, like, I'm going to beat up these cats to come in my gym. Yeah. And, and uh, so,
1: man, I just loved it, felt, liked it, and, uh, man, just, you know, kept doing it. And here we are.
0: So you trained for a while. And, and let's talk about, like, that first.
1: I no, I didn't train for a while. My first yeah. fight was, like, a month after I started training.
0: Man, that's, like, forever. And, like, Nick Saban, yeah. bro, you know look. <laughs> Uh, so you, you know, your first fight, talk us what through that was like. So you, you spar with Walt, you know, you beat you up, like you said, but your first amateur fight went a little different.
1: Yeah. You know, someone called me up and was like, Hey, do you want to fight next weekend? I was like, all right. <laughs> and then, you know, it's funny. Cause there was like no commission or nothing like that. I'm on my way to the fight by myself. You know, I think I might, have, you know, I was even smoking like Newport cigarettes <laughs> on my way up there. And, uh, man, the promoter or whoever calls me, and uh, was like, hey, they want you to have your blood work, have you had your blood work done in the last six months? And, dude, I don't think I had ever gotten blood work done. Maybe, like, one time when I was in college. And I was like, oh, yeah, I think I did it, like, two months ago. And they were like, cool. And then, so I just spent, like, the rest of that two-hour drive is on, you know, puffing my cigarettes. You know, th- my opponent probably did the same thing. And I trust me, because I know where I've been and what I've been doing, but Man, it's highly probable I'm going to fight some dude who, you know, smokes meth or, you know, does drugs and, you know, some some redneck from the middle of nowhere, Alabama, that could probably have hepatitis or something like that. He so, was
0: probably from Mississippi, man. If he had all yeah, that.
1: he He's man. He I can't remember where he's he's from somewhere I've never heard of or can't remember in Alabama. Mm. So, but yeah, I ended up you know fought him. I fought twice. I, fought, I did a boxing match um lost a split decision and then did mma and knocked the guy out in like 50 seconds and i was like man mma is probably the
0: the better route for me that's the move right there so you had a you had a little bit more time when amateur fight before you went pro but when you when you first who was your first pro fight with what organization
1: uh strike hard from here in birmingham
0: Right on, right on. So I know that I personally I saw you fight. I think I think twice as an amateur fighter for V3, and I think you came back and fought as a pro as, for with V3 as well, right?
1: Yeah, I fought two or three times for V3, I believe, as a pro, and many times as an amateur.
0: Yeah, because I remember there was a story that you know was going around, it was like Chan. Uh, it was like, man, we got this badass fighter. You know, he's he's the man. We got to find somebody. And then Rod recommends you. And i never heard of you. It was no offense to you. I just didn't, you know, yeah. I just hadn't, right? And then you come in there like beat the shit out of the guy. I was like, oh snap! So that's kind of when you kind of got on the radar, at least for me. I can't speak. Every- Obviously, you were already on Rod's because he talks very high love you to this day. Shout out to Rod for helping me with this, yeah, by the way. Tough. So, going through your your pro career, you you fight for you strike hard, and then you you your first championship. Talk us what through that what that was like walking out fighting for it all the way through it, and then finally putting on the belt?
1: Um, I mean, you know, you talking about as an amateur? No, no, a pro? pro.
0: Yeah, either one. Um, hey, man, I luckily, never won one, so any of it.
1: I had a lot of experience fighting for uh, some belts as an amateur. So, man, really the only thing that changes as a pro is, you know, how much time is on the clock. and You know, little rules like elbows and knees and things like that. So, man, I think I had a – You know, I don't want to say groomed, but I think my progression from amateur to pro to, you know, from strike hard, fighting for, you know, regional promotions like strike hard, V3, uh, valor, these things got me ready for like even bigger shows like LFA, and then I fought for their belt, and then, you know, that's kind of what put me in the UFC. So, um, I don't know if groomed is the word because I never like picked and choose my opponent. I didn't have a manager who, like, kind of lined things up, but um, if, if, if more fighters could like take my way uh, to the UFC, I think more people would make it, because it's not like I was fighting any, like, Division I National Championship wrestlers. You know, I wasn't fighting any professional, you know, like, thirty fight pro boxers or anything like that you know what I mean so the people that I fought were on my skill level uh, at my level and so I was able to like get experience without getting beat up and like taking a whole lot of damage and you know uh, so then when I got to the UFC like I, I still you know I was still durable I hadn't been knocked out you know whatever so um, I really liked the way I had a lot of fights a lot of amateur fights and I was eight no by the time I made it there but
0: um,
1: yeah everybody should do it the way I do I
0: think well yeah it's too late for me I, I would do it Eric I tell you but uh Still got time. <laughs> yeah well it's just one thing I can't fight but other your, than that
2: your dad would be so proud
0: Randy yeah no doubt my dad he's the fighter of the family and he's like 60 something but anyways long so talk the <laughs> call <it> up <laughs> so you took the right approach uh the call up to the UFC Talk about what that was like. I mean, was it like this big ordeal that, you know, because I imagine, you know, you see people signing it, or was it like, hey, you want to fight? And you're like, hell, yeah, I'm a fighter. Let's fight. I mean, I'm
1: kind of patient. So, like, I knew, like, uh, eventually I was going to make it. When, I didn't have a clue, but I knew that I would just keep fighting, keep, you know, racking up wins until, you know, I got my opportunity. And, uh I actually had to turn down my first UFC offer because I'm pretty sure my hand was, uh, fractured or, you know, my, I had just fought like 30 days before and my hand was just, you know, still swollen. So I was like, dude, I don't think that's a good idea. Then they came like two weeks later and I was like, okay, I have to do it. Cause you I, you know, if I think if you say no twice, they're not going to ask the third time. So I was just like, regardless, you know, how I feel then yeah, whatever. And, uh, but the funny thing is, man, as soon as I walked out of the tunnel, like li- literally, as soon as my feet hit the mat, and I just saw how, uh, like, the texture of the mat underneath my feet, like I was, like, oh, you're not gonna slip, you know? I can like really like throw punches and not worry about slipping because this thing is like Velcro to your feet. Man, I just never felt so comfortable uh, in there, and I, I just knew that I was gonna knock him out. Uh, and you did. I didn't know when, but I knew that I was going to get him out of there.
0: And, and you did. So that I was actually going to ask you about that. Was it nervous? So it sounds like you know you talked about your approach as an amateur up through the pros and then the UFC. It sounds to me like your approach really never changed. You just kind yeah. of like you said, you were patient. You stayed the course, and you got in there, and you knew you could knock him out. So confidence wise, once your feet hit the mat, it was just another fight to you.
1: Yeah, I, man, I just, it was weird. I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel nervous. Sometimes you get, like, butterflies. Sometimes, like, your legs feel weak because of the adrenaline and stuff. But, man, I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel, like, excited. I didn't feel overwhelmed. I didn't, I didn't feel anything. Other slow down than, for you. Like, yeah. And that's how it felt, dude. It was, like, such, it was, the fight was in slow motion. But if you are so, watching on film and I watch it now, I'm like, damn, we fought. You know, it wasn't even slow motion at no, all.
0: No, it didn't look very slow to me, my friend. But uh, let's talk about a night that, that probably brings up a lot of heartburn for you. And I remember watching it live, the the Machida fight. You know, I watched it, and I'm not, I'm not a pro referee, although I think I like to say I am on the sidelines. But to me, I had you winning the fight, period, point blank. Uh, so talk about what that was like and how you felt when, you know, they announced him as the winner. Um man
1: I think if you go back and watch that fight you know before they you know tell you who won the fight like as soon as like as soon as the bell rang to end the fifth round you know Mashita hangs his head you know I yeah. think that he thought that he lost the fight I feel like that I won the fight uh so I think yeah. you know the fighters know the, the judges it was the ref yeah the judges may not know but I think the two fighters who fought that night knows knows what's up and uh
0: yeah me i do yeah you
1: know he was like a bloody mess and bleeding all over the place and you know the only round that i think that he like for sure decisively won that i remember was the first round and that's just because he kicked my leg one time i fell and then he spent like three minutes of a five minute round on top just kind of looking at me so you know (laughs) although he's not doing much you know he is controlling the fight and where the fight takes place so you know that's his round but you know, I almost knocked him out in almost every other round after
0: that. No, absolutely. That's – yeah. So, uh, okay, I'm, I'm going to wrap it up with just a couple more questions. If you could just pick one fight, it was your favorite fight or your best fight of your career, which one are you picking?
1: Uh, my favorite fight was Chiago Santos. The only thing I would do different in that fight is ask the ma- matchmakers to make it three rounds instead of five rounds. So, <laughs> that's my favorite fight.
0: All right, bet. So – uh another time i remember you fighting here in in memphis wasn't was not for v3 it was in in bellator so yeah that was cool but i want to talk about i'm going to switch it just a little bit still mma i remember watching i think it was uh i don't remember who it was with but you were commentating with cm punk and uh talk about what that was like and what that's like hanging out with him and just talking to him throughout the whole thing probably before the prep work during and after what's he like as somebody to kick it with
1: um man he was cool you know um I think, you know, Every everybody was kind of, like, adjusting on the fly because it's usually him and John Morgan. And John Morgan is more the – like, CM is more the color guy. And uh, so he had to be the – I forget what they call it, the uh, – like, the main guy. And I was yeah. just kind of commenting on the technique and stuff, doing the color stuff. So, you know, I think, I think that he did a good job switching roles and – uh you know, just kind of gave me some pointers and what to do, how to talk, and, you know, some ins and outs of the the commentating game.
0: Well, to to me, you know, I was talking to Rod about this too. It sounded to me like you got to, after your fight career is over, which we hope is a long time from now, you might have a future there as well.
1: Now, I'd love to get behind the mic. You know, it's a lot safer on that side. of <laughs> yes. as well.
0: Well, we're probably going to ask you that question next. I'm going to turn you over to DB for a little game, and then we're going to get out of here.
2: All right, let's do it. All right, man, we, got, we play this game with, with all of our guests. There's a couple questions that we ask everyone that will, you know, give us a, a really good indication of if you are one of us or if you're just a, a totally different person. So uh, as we get to those questions, I'll let you know. But it's, it's we very We took
0: sp- Alabama or Mississippi out of there because we know the answer to that.
2: Oh, easy. So... Um, I'll give you two options. You choose one. The only rules: you can't say both, and you can't say neither. Don't overthink right. it. Just, just give uh, a straightforward answer. I'm with it. All right. So, what state is more alive to live in, Alabama or Texas? Oh, come on, baby, Texas all day. Man. Yeah, I mean, I, I had, I knew the answer to that, but I didn't want to, you know, sway you any kind of way. I mean, I, I know you, you won a national championship. Uh, with Bama, so I just wanted to make sure that uh, we that didn't like pull at your heartstrings much. Yeah, more,
1: so yeah, not a whole lot going on here in Alabama, but Texas,
2: Texas is the place to be. Well, it's, Texas can get you in trouble though, so it's probably probably a good thing. Bama will keep you keep you straight straight That's and right. narrow. So, would you rather call someone or text them? Text. Yeah. I, I am a call kind of guy. Everybody. I think on this podcast is a text. Um, I mean,
1: it really depends If we're talking about business and like money and stuff. Then yeah, I, I, we need, I need to like be able to feel you out. Like you need to hear your voice, your tone, the pitch and, you know, see how to work that. But if we're just, you know, shooting the shit, talking, Hey, what's up then, you know, I shoot a little text.
2: I gotcha. So what's, what is more fun to you? Is it the camp? to prepare
1: for the fight or is it the actual fight? Oh, it's the actual fight, man. I I put in a lot of hard work and, you know, I'm not really a fan of dieting. And, uh, man, once you put yourself through all all the BS to get to the fight, you know, now it's time to, you know, go out there and have fun. You know, this is what you came here to do. You know, this is what you signed up. This is your career, you know, go have fun. And, you know, win, lose or draw, you know, you know, it is what it is, you know, but if you're not having fun, it really sucks when you lose, but even if you lose and you're like, oh, well, you know, at least I had fun, then, you know, it gives you kind of a reason to go back and do it again.
2: Right, so, you mentioned dieting in the the camp phase, you know, in preparation for the fight. After weigh-in, what's the most amount of weight that you've gained before the fight? Uh, Man, I have weighed
1: in at, like, 185 and a half or like 186 and been 225 uh, Dang, the next day but my- like, when I, like when I fought Machida when I fought Machida they uh we weighed in and like I think they, they gave me an extra extra hour because the water heater blew up or whatever so we still weighed in I was I weighed in by 12 Friday morning or Friday afternoon whatever but then we didn't walk to the cage till three o'clock Sunday morning. So I had the rest of the day Friday, all day Saturday, and then fought in the morning. So I had you know like forty something, damn near forty, like thirty eight hours or something like that from the time I weighed in to the time I uh, to the time I fought. And sure you can imagine I didn't do anything in that time but eat and drink. So it actually kind of worked against me. To you be didn't honest. smoke no new course, course, like, did you? Big.
3: Nah, I don't, I don't
2: smoke
1: <laughs> a new I do know,
3: Randy, but the, his weight fluctuation sounds like me just regular. So I feel him.
2: Yeah. <laughs> All right. So in football, would you rather have a, a pick six or would you rather have a sack fumble? Oh,
1: man. Anytime you get in that end zone, that's what you want, especially as a defensive player. So I'll take the pick
2: six. Would you rather have a TKO, TKO or submiss- submission? Uh,
1: Man, I think the cool thing I think about submissions is, like, the person is choosing to give up and quit. Like, you knock somebody out or you pin them to the mat and you just start hitting them to the rest, it breaks you out. It's, like, not their choice. So, I think submissions are cooler, but my submission game is so far. So, that's why I have way more knockouts than submissions. But I think, like, a submission is better because, you know, they're choosing to – they want it to be over. They're asking, or a verbal submission, or verbal uh, tap. Uh, I think is the best.
2: So let me ask you this: When you got a guy in that lock and you know they're gonna give up, like, do you tell him, like, "Hey, just just go ahead and f- just just go ahead and tap, man," because this this is not gonna end well. Like, oh man, what is me, going I, on in in that in that moment?
1: I don't really get anybody in submissions in fights. I think. And I had like 23 amateur fights and 25 amateur fights, and I probably had like one or two submissions, maybe I don't know, something like that. And I've only had one in 18 pro fights, so I really don't get in that position too often. But in practice, I talk mad shit, like when I'm when I'm sinking in that choke, and my <laughs> mouth is right in their ear, and it's like shh shh shh, shh. It's kind, of, it's kind of rocking to
2: sleep. Oh, that's funny. Would you rather go back in the past or fast forward to the future? Go in the past.
1: There's quite a few things that I think I would do differently.
2: What's the number one thing that you would do differently? Mm. Um,
1: I think I would have trained different for like pro day and stuff. I, I think I, I, would have, I would have invested money a lot differently is what I would do.
3: Daniel, you, you know, you talked about the, these questions define character. He's the first one that said pass and he didn't say go back to the past because of something cool, but to actually make a change.
1: Yeah, I, I would invest uh, my money a little bit differently or a whole lot differently. Like the exact opposite uh, of what I did when I was younger.
0: Not less on Newports and more on Tesla stock. That's right.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's I, right. Yeah, I'd, I'd put some money in the stock market and not in tip jars.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like right. Same, same brother. Uh,
2: <laughs> you hit me you hit me good with that one. I was trying to go into the, the next question and I just kept thinking tip jar and then I then it hit me. Was I was like, oh, <laughs> Yeah. Um. So, would you rather have friends or would you rather have money? Now, this is a staple question that we ask everybody.
0: This is my staple question. I'll be judging the shit out of you on this one.
2: Um,
1: man, that's tough, man. I really don't do it. Well, I I don't know. I'm gonna say friends because all my training partners are my friends. And then I would still be able to fight and make money anyway. So I think if I didn't have any friends, it'd be really hard to train and get better. so I'd probably go with friends.
2: So do you do you spar with your friends with these training partners?
1: Yeah, uh-huh, for sure.
2: Has it ever got like super heated like in a sparring session where like y'all nah, nah. not, not too bad. You
1: know, we're all adults, you know. Um Everybody I train with has been doing it. We've been training together, a, a, you know, a pretty good while now, so we all know each other and all that good stuff. So, you know, I mean, things to happen when you're sparring, you know, sometimes maybe you get kicked too hard, you get punched too hard, but that's just the nature of the game. It's never ever malicious, I don't think. Gotcha.
2: All right, last question: Who's the who's the greatest fighter, Khabib or John Jones?
1: If you look at resume, no one has a better resume than John Jones. Period. It's not even a period. question, not close. Him and Anderson Silva have the best resumes. But I think, I don't think anybody has beaten more former champions than John Jones. I could Thanks. be wrong. It's it's got to be either him or Anderson Silva. But
0: only cocaine defeats him.
1: So if I was going to ask you,
0: superpowers,
1: dude, it doesn't even, <laughs> yeah. I, ain't,
0: I ain't mad at him. Not
2: at all. So what about what if I insert Anderson Silva or John Jones? Who you got then? Um,
1: man, I still think it's John Jones. The only reason why a lot of people don't the people who don't say John Jones is because of what John Jones has done outside of the octagon. And I don't think that if we're talking about the greatest fighter, that necessarily what he did outside of the octagon should be part of the discussion. We're not talking about like the greatest human being or the next pope or anything like that. We're talking about the best fighter. So let's talk about his fights and not necessarily so much. Uh, Really, the only thing I think you should bring up outside of fighting is his positive PED tests. which how many former champions and champions have tested positive for PED?
3: I
0: agree 100%. John Jones is, to me, the best fighter of all time. But obviously, I don't have the, the clout to say it like you do, Eric.
3: Did, did he win you back over Randy because he chose friends over money, which I know hurts your heart, but then he came back with John Bones, So I know that had to win you back.
0: Well, I mean, it did kind of hurt, but listen, man, Eric's a super successful guy where me, I'm just trying to hold on to my little dollars. So I'm picking money over you chumps every day.
2: All right, Eric, man, you're off the hot seat. Is there anything that you want to plug or promote before we let, let you run before we end this thing? Yeah, uh,
1: special shout uh, to Infinite CBD, Rev Gear, uh, Crush Energy Drinks. Um, Is that right? I say Infinite CBD.
2: Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you know, these people, uh, my sponsors, you know, they kind of help things going when things ain't going, if that makes sense. So, uh, need training gear, need to be able to recover, and uh, sometimes you need that boost to get up and, and get to the gym. So, you know, those guys really do a good job of. Uh, keeping the wheels greased and uh, making it so I can do what I do.
2: Man, that's that's good stuff, man. We had a great time. We appreciate you coming on. We had a, a good, deep conversation and getting to know you, and, and we wish you nothing but the best. If there's anything, Eric, man, that we can do to help, you know, promote anything you got going on, please let us know, man.
1: Yeah, likewise, man. Thank you guys for having me.
2: I want to thank our guest, Eric Anders, for joining us. Hopefully, he'll come back when he's got that UFC championship. If you like hearing us average Joes talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, your comments, ratings, and feedback is always welcome. We will see everyone next week for episode 12. We'll where we will be discussing LSU women's soccer with Taylor Doblez. This has been the end off the bench podcast. As always remember strong bodies, sharp minds, great and grind all the time. We out.